It is Thursday, November 5th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, sanitized by drones for your protection, J.P. Shadrick. Technology's grand, isn't it? Uh, welcome in, Jaguars Happy Hour. My name's J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman coming up shortly. We've got a busy show for you today. It's week nine. The Jags and the Houston Texans meet up this Sunday at TIAA Bank Field. We'll preview the matchup this week with the division rivals. Second meeting between the teams. Houston got it done down in Houston back in week five. Jake Luton time. Rookie quarterback will start this week for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll get Logs' take on him. The defense against Deshaun Watson, that's always the storyline. How do you contain him and don't let him run around all day long? If he gets in trouble in the pocket, he has the ability to do that. There are COVID-19 concerns starting today in Houston. Three linebackers will not be available for the game this week due to contact tracing. Couple of the one positive and two contact tracings. We'll delve into that. Tony Baselli joins us at 4.30 today. And then the Doug Marone Show at 5 o'clock. We'll hear from the head coach. We hear from Jeff Lagerman now, who joins us on the program as always on Thursday afternoons. And uh, here we go. Logs fresh off the bye. Are you rested, relaxed, and ready for the stretch run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, the bye is always good, and uh, I had a lot of productive days. I will say during the bye, and kept up with all the sporting world and all the events with the NFL. So, uh, and actually got to relax and watch a little football, just as as kind of a a fan. And it's kind of nice sometimes to do that. Well, there's no doubt about that. Enjoy those times while you get it. But now the stretch run is here, and the Jaguars are starting the stretch run with a new quarterback. Gardner Minshew has a thumb injury, so they're going with Jake Luton, the rookie, six-round draft pick out of Oregon State. He'll make his first career NFL appearance of any kind this Sunday against the Houston Texans. Doug Marone earlier this week when asked about Luton and what he expects from the rookie. Well, I think the one thing is, you know, you look early on of, of uh, you know, picking up the system. You know, the system's now... Um, you know, probably quite different than most college programs, you know, on, on play calls and, and, and things of that nature. And, you know, there's, there's verbiage, there's a, there's a lot on, on that plate, you know, for those, for those quarterbacks. So I guess the first thing I would say I was, I was impressed with, you know, outside of whatever physical ability, you know what I'm saying, that you guys, we all can see, you know, from his college film is, uh, you know, his ability to pick it up. All right, picking it up, one thing, Logs, of course. That's uh, that's fine and dandy knowing the system, but when the lights come on and you walk out on the field on Sunday, you'll, you'll have J.J. Watt and the Texans' defense on the other side. Uh, what are your first expectations, I guess, for Luton this week? Uh, I mean, expectations for most rookies, I mean, not a whole lot. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you're talking about a tough situation to be in. I think Jay Gruden, had a comment this week and just a couple of days ago, and I don't know if we're going to be able to play this later on or not, but he, he said, quote, Jake hasn't called a play, our play, one of our plays in our huddle since training camp. Think about that for a minute. Okay, so right. the last time he was in a huddle calling a Jaguars offensive play was all the way back in training camp. So it's not like he was in the huddle and he's been practicing the verbiage of the Jay Gruden offense and the Jaguars offense. 
it hasn't happened. So the expectations for a young player in that situation, I think is low, but let me tell you this. My expectations of his physical abilities is pretty high. You know, maybe the performance may not be there initially because, look, he hasn't had a lot of practice time. Even though you had a bye week, it wasn't like they were practicing four days during the bye to get Jake Luton ready for this opportunity after the bye week. You know, there's been limited opportunity. But I still think, and I believe, and I, I believe this going all the way back to training camp, when they made him the second quarterback that made the roster on final cutdown day, I thought it should have stayed that way because he impressed me that much, JP, in training camp. I thought he earned the job to be the backup. But they chose to bring Mike Glennon back after exposing him in the final cuts because they just felt comfortable that Mike Glennon has been around a little bit and maybe it wouldn't be too big for him. But in my opinion, in training camp, Jake Luton earned the backup job. And in fact, in, in part of my mind, it was thinking he might earn an opportunity to be able to compete for the starting job because at times, he showed the things that you want in a franchise quarterback, which is he has great height. He's got the vision to see over the line of scrimmage. He's got an NFL caliber arm. He can fit it into tight windows. He can throw the velocity balls on the outs, the deep outs, and also into a little short windows or small windows in the middle of the field. So um, mm -hmm. my expectations, JP, again, aren't high. But I also think, and I agree with Doug Marone in that when Doug Brown said his ceiling is high, and that's what he believed, I think his ceiling is high too. But the thing that you just don't know about is the mental makeup, JP. When the live bullets start flying and J.J. Watt starts rushing <laughs> uh, and uh, Zach Cunningham starts coming at you in an all-out blitz, what are you going to do? Right. It's a different world when, when that happens sometimes. Now, I wonder, the, the curious thing I think a lot of people will ask going into this game, and I'll be curious to see it on Sunday, is how – different will the offense be called with Luton will they open it up a little bit with his ability to throw a deeper football down the field or will they be a little more conservative and mix in that run game and and keep things safe for Luton I mean for me logs you're throwing him out there let's throw the ball around and see what this kid has sure sure but but I, but I will say this I mean here's the thing how advanced was the Jaguars playbook anyway with Gardner right. Minshew. Uh, Gard Gardner Minshew had, in, in the Jaguars' offense, what, seven games under his belt? Yes. I mean, yes. And this is seven games under Jay Gruden's offense, too. The playbook wasn't six inches thick for Gardner Minshew. And now all of a sudden, okay, Jake Luton's coming in. We're going to just, you know, we're going to shrink it down instead of six inches thick. We're going to cut it down to a one-inch playbook. It's, I mean, that's not how it was. So... I think the playbook will be, it will shrink a little bit, but I don't, I don't think it's going to shrink that much. And uh, do you maybe get a little bit of con conservative nature with some of your play calling? Maybe. Uh, but here's the reality. Weren't they kind of trying to be conservative play calling with Gardner Minshew over the last number of weeks? And weren't they talking about that going all the way back to the last Houston matchup and the week before that? I mean, so... It's not like you're going to do something drastically different and you're going to change the offense because of a different skill set with Jake Luton. Your offense is your offense. You just need to find a quarterback that can execute it better. And I think that uh, Jake Luton is going to have a, a great opportunity on his hands. And Doug Marone did not mince any words. When he was asked the question yeah. about, will Gardner Minshew get his job back? He said, look, if Jake Luton comes out there and plays well, I mean, what, what should you do? Well, 
you should let them keep playing. You know, so it's going to be interesting to me, JP. And, and just another note, you know, with, with Gardner Minshew, a lot of people may be wondering, what is a, a fracture and damaged ligaments and everything? What does that do with a quarterback? How does that happen? And, and I've had them on both thumbs here, and I'm going to try to, to show you visually what a thumb <laughs> looks like that's had lim- ligament and broken bones. Okay, both of them. Okay, they both bend in ways that they shouldn't bend. Okay, and what happens is when a, 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 a thumb gets bent like this way, the ligament that is basically spacing the gap pulls a little piece of bone off with it. So I'm not the doctor in this case, but I'm guessing that it was something of this nature with Gardner Minshew because I remember when I had it with both hands, it was hard to grip. And with Gardner throwing the high balls on occasion the last couple games that we saw him play in, losing the grip is what means the ball, you can't hold it when you're trying to be forceful and put velocity on it, and so you lose your grip, and the ball comes out high and flies high. So that's my guess as to what happened with Gardner Minshew, even though the Jaguars don't talk uh, medically and don't release that information. If I had to guess, that's what it would have been. Right. Well, I just know we, we just saw your thumb do weird things in high definition if you're watching on Jaguars.com, and uh, that, that was uh, quite interesting. Thank you for the, uh, the visual sure, there. Sure, sure. Uh, logs, you know, you know, JP, I have to... I actually had uh, just a, a quick cool story is that, you know, when you, when you play defensive line or offensive line, I remember when I came in the league, there was a guy that played offensive guard, and his name was Dan Alexander. And Dan played at, uh, I think it was Louisiana Tech. He was a Louisiana guy. We called him Cajun Dave, you know, and, and, uh, or Cajun Dan. And he used to wear, because back in the early days of the National Football League, you didn't have gloves so to speak you know the the nike gloves or the adidas gloves or the newman gloves you know back then the first gloves that were kind of out they were called newmans well with the offensive linemen back in the day there they, we didn't have gloves i mean receivers caught with their hands and you stick them and uh and the offensive line to protect their hands because their hands are so exposed they would actually wear gardening gloves i mean like old-fashioned oh. leather gardening gloves that dan <laughs> used to wear these old leather gardening gloves, and he'd have on the old spot-built uh, shoes, cleats uh, for turf that were look like boots, you know, like literally like like work boots. And he would tape these gloves up, but he, they did that to protect the hands because as offensive linemen and defensive linemen, you know, you catch something the wrong way, and fingers can just go, you know, in ways that they shouldn't go. And that brought around the advent of gloves and everything of that nature. But you know, gloves didn't even start becoming popular in football probably until about the early 90s when Newman were the first ones that came out with it. When they did, at first a lot of guys were resistant to doing it, but then they realized how well it could protect their hands, and then everybody started using them. And he can go right back home after the game and, and do some gardening outside, trim and some trees. And do some trees gardening, and, and yeah, man. Not have to change gloves, you know? It's perfect. Uh, here's another thought about Gardner Minshew here. You know, I think everybody – kind of understands maybe why he wanted he wants to stay on the field obviously he knows his situation here and this was this is, is his year to show that he was a franchise guy this was his opportunity so uh, the story is that he didn't tell the team that he had this injury and they found out officially during the bye week uh, where are you on that it's not obviously Doug Marone talked about it this week where 
hey, he wants players to be forthright and you know the, the medical crew can help the player maybe get back. But when it goes the other way, it, it sometimes can hurt the football team too. Where, where do you stand on this? Uh, where I stand on that, first off, uh, I'm, I'm amazed that a starting quarterback for a football team doesn't communicate to the organization that he's got a thumb issue. I mean, that's like a, a JP for baseball fans. I mean, it's like having Nolan Ryan not tell the Houston Astros or the Rangers, I mean, that they look, you know, I, I, I'm having a hard time throwing 98 because my thumb is, is having an issue. I mean, that's crazy to me. Um, so obviously that's not a situation that you want to have because the expectation is that you should have excellent communication between your starting quarterback and the coaching staff, the training staff, and the organization as a whole. And obviously, that wasn't the case with Gardner Minshew. And I, and I do understand to some extent that, look, hey, he wants to be able to uh, keep his job. It's just an opportunity to be a starting quarterback, and he doesn't want to be told, well, we got to take you out of there. And he's trying to suck it up and play, play through it and all that. I mean, I understand that part of it. But, uh, look, your performance was lacking the last couple of weeks. It certainly was affecting you in the Chargers game. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, and the one thing I will say, JP, is that Gardner Minshew has never been super accurate on the intermediate to long stuff, and he's never had great velocity on his ball. Um, he, he, he's always thrown the ball a little bit where it's got a little bit of an arc on it, and we've never said that he has a weak arm, but we've never said that he has a strong arm. So... If he loses a little velocity or if he loses a little accuracy, then maybe you don't notice it as much with a Gardner Minshew compared to, like, let's say, a Dan Marino. You know, if a Dan Marino usually throws 90 and then all of a sudden he's throwing 70, then you notice it. Whereas Gardner Minshew is probably throwing 60 and then all of a sudden now he's throwing 50. You know, and not, not trying to be funny here, but I'm just trying to give you an analogy right. yeah. of the different speeds sure. and how sometimes it can be hard to tell maybe if a guy has an injured thumb, you know, so from the team standpoint, the trainer standpoint, unless he tells them, they don't know. I mean, all you know is that he just missed DJ Chark 10 yards over his head. That's just a That's bad right. throw, right? I mean, that's the first reaction. That was my first reaction. You know, in the first throw that he had in the game against the Chargers, my reaction wasn't, oh man, uh, he can't grip the ball. He must have a thumb injury, you know? So, you know, it's, it's a shame that it happened, but the reality is that it did. And, uh, and so it presents an opportunity and a great opportunity for Jake Luton. Jake Luton, sixth-round rookie, getting the start this week for the Jags against the division rival Houston Texans. Plenty ahead. More on this a little later when Tony Baselli joins us in about 15 minutes. We'll come back, though, in a moment, Logs, and get on the Jaguars' defense and see if they can develop that pass rush. This has been a talking point all season long. It hasn't really happened yet. Got about half a season to go to see if those young guys can get going and against Deshaun Watson this week. Let's come back in a moment. Uh, plenty ahead. We are off and running. It's Jaguars happy hour on this Thursday afternoon on the Jaguars digital network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 
80 proof Tito's handmade vodka distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. Tito'sVodka.com. Like working outdoors and want better pay and benefits? Superior Fence and Rail is seeking full-time fence installers with pay ranging from $16 to $25 an hour and more with commercial experience. Superior Fence and Rail will train you to work with their professional team and provide you with all the tools you need to be a top-notch installer. Get off the fence. Call Superior Fence and Rail today and start your career. SuperiorFenceAndRail.com Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization. That's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to Change without notice. Equal housing opportunity. Slot right. Move 42. Hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. Jaguars fans, here's a great way to pay with pride wherever you go. Exclusively from TIAA Bank, the Jacksonville Jaguars Visa Debit Card comes with a fierce look and fantastic features, along with the convenience to make purchases online or at millions of locations worldwide. And it's yours, free, when you open a Yield Pledge checking account. Order yours today. Visit TIAABank.com slash JagsCard. TIAA Bank is a division of TIAA, FSB, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. In Florida, bicyclists have the same rights and responsibilities as everyone else on the road. So when you ride, follow the rules. Always wear a helmet and use lights on your bike. And drivers, watch for cyclists. Give them space to ride. And don't forget when making that right on red, look to your right first to see if a cyclist is approaching in the bike lane. We all have a responsibility to keep ourselves and each other safe. Alert today, alive tomorrow. Because safety doesn't happen by accident. This message brought to you by the Florida Department of Transportation. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented in part by TIAA Bank. Created to serve, built to perform. Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. And Baptist Health, changing health care for good. Welcome back, Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday afternoon. It's week nine, the Jags and the Texans coming up Sunday. The game presented by CSX. The salute to service game this week. The Jags back home at TIAA Bank Field. Coming up a little later, Tony Baselli in about uh, 10 minutes or so. He'll join us. Uh, some COVID-19 situations down in Houston. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Uh, J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman. And Logs, let's get to this Jaguars defense now and uh, the matchup this week against Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Now, you remember back in week five, um, they had a big day through the air. Brandon Cooks 
had a huge day, 161 yards, a touchdown, eight catches on the game. Uh, Deshaun Watson throws for 359 and three scores. He didn't Wasn't throw good. two interceptions in that game. Um, but the defense, you know, they're in that string right now of struggling, obviously, 30-point games in the last uh, six times out there and all six losses. So where do you start on defense this week to, to get things turned the right way? Are you hiding behind your brain right here? What's up? Well, I'm, I'm okay. starting right here because <laughs> if, if you actually look at the last matchup, this is my game board from the, ah. uh, the Houston Texans game. And uh, let's see, uh, no C.J. Henderson, uh, no Josh Allen, um, no Miles Jack. You didn't have Cindy Jones in there until a little bit later. You know, so look, uh, when you play a football team and you're depleted, you know, the reality is it's tough. And, and I think the positive thing for the Jaguars defensively this week is that you're going to have, I don't want to say all hands on deck because, you know, Avery Jones is on IR, but you're going to get Miles Jack back, I think, is the expectation. You could end up getting uh, your safety, Jared Wilson, back. Uh, C.J. Henderson is yeah. going to be able to play in this game. Josh Allen is two, uh, two weeks now back in action and also having the extra week with the bye. His knee should be better. You know, so uh, it's a better situation for the Jaguars, but JP, make no mistake about it. Uh, even if you're 100% healthy, it's a, it's a pretty strong test to be able to face a Deshaun Watson. Uh, the one thing that Deshaun Watson hasn't had going for him this year for the most part is a running game. And that's why the Texans were so good last year is that they had a pretty strong running game and it took a lot of pressure off of Deshaun Watson. And this year, they're ranked dead last in the National Football League at running the ball as an offense. And uh, that's not a very good number. But the last time they played, David Johnson had 17 carries for 96 yards. If, look, if, if you're going to beat the Texans this time, you can't allow that to happen. You know, mm -hmm. so uh, you better worry about, be worried about stopping the run first. And then you can worry about Deshaun Watson, and once you get to Deshaun Watson, JP, we all know it's a, it's a, it's a very specific, hard-to-execute game plan. And when I say very specific in that, your goal is to keep Deshaun Watson in the pocket, to build uh, kind of this moat around him. And, but the problem is you can't just build the moat and then be happy with that because then he's just going to sit right. back there in his castle and just you know throw dimes. <laughs> and be able to throw the ball deep to some very speedy receivers. So you need to find a way somehow to get pressure without taking a lot of chances so that all of a sudden you have a breakdown in your moat and all of a sudden he escapes and then all of a sudden you're expecting a defensive back to cover for another four or five seconds. And, and that's the challenge of Deshaun Watson. And not only that, but hey, the reality is he can take off and run for 30 yards if you got backs turned and you're in man coverage. So uh, a tough challenge this week, and it becomes really, really tough if they're running the football well like they did the last meeting. I, I never thought we would have talked about moats and castles on this show today, but uh, we've, like we've gone there. Did, and did I you like, like the, that? I like that analogy. Yes, that was very nice. Uh, you know, it, it, but now I'm, I'm curious about the development of these pass rushers overall. Yeah, I know the, the scores have not been great for them to be able to get after, uh, the quarterback a lot in those situations. That's one thing. But, you know, they've been close. Allen's been there. He's been banged up now the last little bit, and he's back on the field. That's fine. He's got nine games left this year to, to really get going. 
chase on how's his development going i know they're doing a lot of extra work after practice every day talking to joey bosa after the game on the field in la they're doing everything they can but at some point the rubber's got to hit the road during the game and they've got to get to the quarterback a little more often uh yes uh, and i'm all all for it and uh they're not doing a very good job jp um uh, the reality is, if, if you like, you go back to the game two weeks ago against the Chargers, the only guy that was having wins as a pass rusher was Josh Allen. And Josh wasn't completely healthy. I mean, it wasn't like Josh was just crushing guys. I mean, it was, he was doing a pretty good job. Uh, not as good as Josh Allen can do. And nobody else is winning, and that's hard. I mean, it's very hard when it's a one-man band. Uh, ask Joe. He can tell you it's hard to play all the instruments by yourself at a live concert. But uh, Calavon Chazon has got to find a way to have what I call the the hands and the hips kind of marry together. And what does he have? One sack on the year? Is that right? I think Correct. it's one sack on the year. Yeah, that's one sack. But here's the reality. The one sack that he got, uh, I don't want to say it was anything that he did as a great pass rusher to be able to get that sack. It was kind of one of those sacks that every now and again you'd like to get and you fall into them. And, uh, but his hips and his, and his arms or hands aren't working together. And that's the one thing I think that concerns me. You know, when I, when I watched him in training camp, I thought, really thought and was very impressed with his hands because he was using his hands. And a lot of young players don't learn to use their hands. They just try to run around guys and be faster than another guy or be stronger than another guy. But they soon find out at the National Football League level, you actually have to have a plan. I mean, even the great Reggie White, who was just so dominant physically, actually had a plan. Reggie's plan was he was going to take you down the middle and run you over. And then the next plan was is that once you started sitting heavy, he was going to get you to sit heavy and then give you a little juke and then give you a power rip to the outside. And then once you started to sit on the power rip on the outside, if that didn't work, he was going to hump your butt about six yards up the field because he was so strong. So even Reggie White had a great plan. Lawrence Taylor had a great plan. If he got a great get off, he was chopping and ripping to get to the outside. And if he was a little bit late off the ball, he would chop, thinking that the, they're letting the offensive lineman know that I'm going outside. But Lawrence Taylor would chop down and then immediately spin to the inside. So even the great pass rushers, they weren't just like these dominant, physically gifted pass rushers. You actually have to learn technique and setting guys up. And I think that's what Caleb Chazon is figuring out right now. And then in college, it was a little bit easier. And now you have to have your hands and your hips working together, but then you also have to have your mind working with your hands and your hips so you can have a plan when you rush the passer. And it's tough. He's having a tough time. Yeah, um, but, you know, at some point, um, it'll start to click, I think, with those guys. How about the interior play last time out? Devon Hamilton, the rookie out of Ohio State. Avery Jones was not there, of course, so he kind of stepped into that role in the interior. And it was certainly the best game he's had so far as a rookie, and that was a really bright spot. In, in, a, in a year where there aren't many bright spots on defense, I think that was a very good development for this organization. Well, Devon Hamilton's a third-round pick, and so your expectation with a third-round pick is that he's a starter, and it should be uh, as a third-round pick, and he's a big dude, a uh, big dude. Uh, this past game, I thought it was his best game, and uh, I thought he did a really good job, and, and I expected him to do better this past game and the reason I expected him to do better was that 
Feeney, who is the starting center for the Chargers, who took over for the uh, uh, the center Pouncey, who was injured. And Feeney had been a guard in the past, but Feeney's not a like he, he he's he's a little straight legged. He's not super strong. He doesn't play real low to the ground. He doesn't play with a lot of leverage. So I expected somebody who's big and strong like Devon Hamilton to play well against Feeney, and he did. And and it was good to see. And and even if it's against a guy that's not super physical or super strong, it's good to see because when you go against a guy you think you should play well against, you got to play well against him, and he did that. So. So that's good, and I hope it's something that he can build off of, and uh, and also in the meantime to continue to get better and, and anticipate. And, and I was talking with somebody about this earlier in the week, JP. You know, you go back because you know I'm talking about how big and strong Devon Hamilton is. You go back in the mm-hmm. early days of Jaguars history, and and, and John uh, Yurkovic, who was a, a defensive tackle, and he. And Joe Fortunato and, and JP, I don't know if you ever had a chance to meet him. Maybe if he came back for alumni day or something, but Joe remembers him. He might have had the the worst body in the National Football League. I mean, literally, <laughs> the guy didn't look like he could play football. The guy didn't look like he ever played football. He might have played a little, you know, high school ball, maybe a little co- small college ball, uh, because he was just kind of a, a round, a round guy, and. Uh, and if he told you at the bar and you never knew who he was and just met him, he tells you he's an NFL player, you're like, you're so full of it. I mean, that would be your reaction. But he was, he was a good player, and he was a good player due in large part because he could anticipate blocks. He could anticipate if I'm playing a shade on a nose one way, that guard's coming down and I'm getting a double team. I can, I can dig my left hip or my right hip, depending on which side of the center that I'm on, down and hold the point and anticipate where that pressure's coming from. Or if the, the guard's coming down, center's pulling around, I can immediately play over here to the guard, and now I'm fighting against pressure. And, and for a large part of the early part of the season, Devon Hamilton wasn't anticipating, and you can be big and strong, but the reality is a lot of the other guys that you're playing against are big and strong too. And so he was getting knocked around a little bit. You know, so, and so when you anticipate, you can play stronger, be stronger. And, uh, and hopefully the more reps he gets, the better he becomes and the better uh, pass rusher that he can be because as a third-round pick, the expectation is you need to be able to, uh, to be a, a decent pass rusher at, as a defensive tackle. In my opinion, if you, if you draft somebody in the third round, he's got to have some pass rush potential too. And I think he's got a little bit, and he's getting better at it. All right, Logs, let's come back in a moment. Uh, Tony Baselli is standing by. He'll join us after the timeout. We'll get back on the Jake Luton conversation, the rookie starting quarterback this week for the Jaguars against the Houston Texans. A little later, the COVID-19 issues in Houston that have popped up this week as well and some question marks about some of their players for this week's game. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on a Thursday afternoon on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. Headquartered right here in Jacksonville, the CSI Companies is one of the fastest growing staffing firms in the nation. 
As a proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars, CSI knows how important it is to find the right people for your team. See why some of Jacksonville's top companies choose CSI for their staffing needs. Visit thecsicompanies.com or call 800-582-0828 today. That's 800-582-0828 for the CSI Companies. If something's been hurting, aching, or bothering you, don't ignore it any longer. It's time to take care of your health again. It's time to make an appointment with a Baptist Health primary care doctor or specialist. Call 904-202-4U to schedule a virtual visit or see a doctor in person at a Baptist Health location. The time for better health is here. Call 904-202-4U or visit GetBetterJacks.com. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 40 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the high 100s and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to without notice equal housing opportunity at Vistar we believe in better and that means treating people better with friendly personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952 a smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch an online or phone chat for those quick questions and a call center that's open every day if you believe that great service is better join Vistar we never forget that it's your money all loans subject to approval insured by NCUA committed to the team committed to the mission at Navy Mutual we're committed to providing high quality life insurance to members of the military and their families so our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions we don't work on commission we're nonprofit so we pass the savings along to our members because at Navy Mutual our highest commitment is to you. Visit NavyMutual.org. Navy Mutual, ensuring those who serve. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented in part by DreamFinders Homes, homes that fit your lifestyle. Next Grill, everyone's invited. And Adeco. Visit adecousa.com. Well, uh, unfortunately, it's not going to be easy, you know, for a rookie. First game. I had taken a lot of reps with the first team. In fact, I don't think he's called a play, one of our plays in the huddle since training camp. So uh, it will not be easy for him. Uh, it's his job to be prepared uh, mentally, uh, make sure he goes through the right progressions, handles himself in protections, uh, gets the ball deep to James Robinson when he hands it off, uh, and does things right, what he's been taught uh, this whole process. So uh, it's going to be a great challenge for him, but uh, we feel good about his demeanor, his work ethic. We feel like he's mentally prepared, uh, but now we just have to wait and see. But uh, we'll do the best we can to uh, make it as easy as possible for him. That's offensive coordinator Jay Gruden earlier this week discussing Jake Luton, the rookie quarterback, will make the start for the Jags this Sunday against the Houston Texans. Jaguars happy hour continues. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, and Tony Baselli joins us now from way out in Ponte Vedra, 
Beach, Florida. Tony, good afternoon. What's up? What's up, JP? Logs, how we doing? Oh, we're, good. we're ready. Doing we're good, ready for man. some football. <laughs> okay. Ready for some football. Yes. Jake yes. Luton. Hey, Jake uh, listen. Time. Jake Luton time. Yeah, Luton. What do you think, Tony? Are you are, what's your, what is your expectation for his performance on Sunday? I have zero expectations because here's a guy who's a rookie, um, has never taken a snap in an NFL game, had no preseason, no OTAs, limited reps in training camp, uh, limited reps in the regular season as the third string quarterback, um, is a six round draft pick. Um, I have zero expectations. He's being put in a very tough spot. Um, and I wish him the best. I mean, we saw limited reps of him in training camp. When we saw him, he looked good. Um, he has a big arm. He looks like he's accurate. But the last time he faced a pass rush, guys, was in the mighty Pac-12. Um, and uh, it's going to be a little bit different speed and feel out there on Sunday uh, if they do play based on the COVID uh, situation with Houston. Yeah, no doubt. That's uh, that's a it, it is quite a task for him, you know. But it's one of those where hey, hey JP, uh, JP, we were talking about hey, it earlier. Tony, what? We, yeah. we got yeah, we got to go back to what to what Jay Grude said there, and I mean, think about that for a minute. Yeah, he said that he hasn't called one of our plays in our huddle since training camp. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so I mean, Tony's right. I mean, the expectation is 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 not there. It's not high. And, uh, you know, you just, you just hope that the young man has a knack and that he's, he can allow some of his physical talents, which we clearly saw in training camp and in the scrimmage, that he allows some of those physical talents to carry him a little bit. And, and the, also the, the positive thing is, is that his last year at Oregon State, he was very good at protecting the football. You know, 28 touchdowns, I think, or something of that nature, and three interceptions. I mean, that's that's an incredible ratio. And if he can do that same type of thing with the Jaguars, then awesome, awesome. Uh, but uh, like Tony said, the expectation is low. But at the same token, the opportunity is very high for a young quarterback in this situation. What's that first huddle going to be like if you're a veteran offensive lineman and, and here's Jake Luton out here calling plays in the huddle. That's got to be a little bit different. Not that Gardner Minshew is a salty vet. I mean, they're both young guys anyway. Well, and I, and got my, I can't remember the, um, and maybe Jeff can, but in, I think it was 1997, um, Mark Brunel got hurt in training camp and we started the season with Rob Johnson. Rob Johnson uh, got hurt in week one, finished the game, but, uh, uh, got hurt week one, and we had to have our third string quarterback Matthews. I can't remember his first name for the life of me for whatever reason. Steve and Matthews. Steve Matthews. And Steve Matthews knew about um, three pass plays and six run plays that he actually could call in the huddle, and it was a struggle for him to get him out. And and so the key in those situations, everyone else has to rise to the occasion. Everyone else has to play better. And we knew it. And we knew the situation we were in. We knew we had a guy that was going to struggle, um, be comfortable, a guy who was going to struggle to communicate. Um, and it was going to be a very simple game plan. And all we ended up doing is going and scoring, I think, 43 points. Now, the defense played very well, got some turnovers for us. And we ran the ball. And we had big plays to Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell. But I think we literally called, 
you know, probably a total of 10 different plays uh, on that Sunday. And the onus came on everyone else. The offensive line has to block better. You have to keep a clean pocket. You have to run block. You have to be, you have to control the line of scrimmage. Receivers got to create space. Um, you know, the backs got to run hard. Tight ends got to do their thing. I mean, it really, the onus comes on everyone else now. You can't put this on Jake Luton. It's not fair. I mean, he's not ready. I don't care how talented he is. I don't care what the story is. You know, we has, he has a big arm, all those different things. I'm excited to see what he can do. It'll be interesting. Um, but let's be honest. There's a reason he was a six-round draft pick. And not that guys late in the draft can't perform at a, good, a high level. And not that scouts don't miss on people. So I'm not taking a shot at Jake Luton. But you got to be honest with yourself. And you got to be realistic. And you have to understand that we're not going to ask this kid to do too much. Because if we do... Most likely, it'll be a complete failure. All right, so so I'm going to bring this up, and, and it's obviously tongue in cheek. Tom Brady was a six round pick. <laughs> yeah, but Jeff, uh, but, to but that, Tony, you're, you're Jeff. Yeah, you're you're right. Let me, let me say something real quick. That's a good job because you're right. And but let's not forget, um, it was I think it was his second year when he finally got in there midway through the season. Um, and if you think back to the early years of Tom Brady, Tom Brady did not carry that team. It's not the Tom Brady we know now or in the, um, in the, you know, the last 75% of his career. The first quarter of his career, it was a defensive team. They ran the ball. They had one of the best defenses in the NFL. That's how they won the Super Bowl. That's how they Seymour, beat the Rams. Willie I mean, McGinnis, they were dominant. Uh, and everyone else Rodney did their Harrison. job and allowed Tom Brady to get into it. Yeah, they had, they had a very good defense, and I obviously said that tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, I think the one thing that they can do, you know, when Tony J.P. is talking about, okay, we only had 10 plays for Steve Matthews, and there's nothing wrong with having 10 plays, you know, because the one thing I think that you can do sometimes is you can dress up those 10 plays. You can put a skirt on it. You can put a dress on it. You can put jeans on it. And what I mean by that is you can window dress it. So you might be running the same – you might be running 10 plays, but one play, if it's run the same, might look – you know, four different ways based on a formation or a motion or a way that you get to it. And so it's kind of a way to simplify things without making it simple for the defense to figure out exactly what you're going to do. Uh, but, you know, it's, I, I think it's, a, it's an exciting time for Jake Luton and Tony's right. I mean, the expectations are low. But at the same token, after what I've seen out of Gardner Minshew the last couple of weeks, I'm ready to see something different. I'm ready to see somebody execute the offense at a better rate. I'm looking at Ford and seeing a quarterback trust his pocket to stay in the pocket to keep his eyes down the field and go through a progression. And then also to be able to throw somebody open, you know, with, a, with arm strength and fitting it in the tight windows because I haven't seen much of that from Gardner Minshew. Jeff, do you think, and, you know, based on what you just said, because um, I agree with all that. I think you're dead on. But I have big questions. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be good in the pocket. I don't know if he's going to be com comfortable with the rush. I don't know if he's going to step up. I don't know if, if the first guy's not open, if his eyes go down and start looking around a way to escape. I'm interested. What happens the first time he gets hit in the chops by J.J. Watt? And now all of a sudden, it's game on. Is he start looking at the rush? Does he take his eye eyes off down the field? I have no idea. All I know about this kid is that he has a big arm. He looks the part. I don't know. I mean, I'm not even sure how great of an athlete. Is he going to be able to run around and buy time? I mean, I don't know. In training camp, that's easy. But I mean, those are all things that I have no idea what to expect. And anyone outside that coaching staff, and even the coaching staff doesn't know. 
because they've never seen him do it in any game, not in the preseason, nothing. They, they, he has never been back there where the thought that if he holds the ball too long or if he steps up in the pocket, a 300-pound defensive tackle is going to hit him as hard as he can right in the chest as he's delivering it. I mean, that's different. Yeah, the, the, this the, isn't seven-on-seven. Seven. One good thing. One good thing, Tony, but uh, we talk about J.J. Watt coming in is that uh, the Jaguars did a pretty good job on J.J. the last time in the last matchup. Uh, yeah. uh, Whitney Merciless was the one that I think had a pretty significant impact in that ball game. And as of right now, Whitney Merciless is not playing in this game against the Jaguars. Right. So positive. Yeah. Yeah, let's come back oh, in a yeah, moment. We'll right. get into that situation in Houston. We'll talk about that COVID-19 situation there for the Texans when we come back. We'll hear from Josh Allen as well and uh, get some final thoughts and uh, look at the division games this week. It's all coming up. One more segment to go on Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Hi, I'm Tito Beveridge, founder and master distiller at Tito's Handmade Vodka. In 1997, we became the first micro distillery in the state of Texas, and we're still making the same smooth stuff after all these years. We're still cooking in a pot still, working with our dogs by our sides, having fun and tasting batches, and I'm still wearing the same hat even after all these years. Head over to titosvodka.com to learn more about what else we're doing the same. Cheers. 80 proof Tito's Handmade Vodka, distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas. titosvodka.com. The best thing about working at Fair and Farrah is all of the employees. We all work together. It's extremely enjoyable to come to work every day. There's a, um, a common cause or goal. No matter what your job is, we're all there for the client. We are dedicated to our clients 100%. We do everything it takes to maximize the value of their claims. Fair and Farrah is really the Farrah family. When they choose us, they choose a family to fight for them and to protect them and to make sure that they're in a good place and that they have somebody on their side. Farrah and Farrah, here for you, here for good. Jacksonville. I'm Jacksonville Jaguars General Manager Dave Caldwell. Did you know you can ride your bike to every Jaguars home game at TIAA Bank Field and valet it for free? Stop by our bicycle check-in tent sponsored by Alert Today Florida near Gate 1 at TIAA Bank Field. An on-duty Zen Cog bike professional will park your bike and ensure it's secure during the game. When the game is over, return your claim ticket to pick up your bike. For cycling safety tips, visit alerttodayflorida.com. Remember, alert today, alive tomorrow, because safety doesn't happen by accident. Go Jaguars. At ViStar, we believe in better. And that means treating people better with friendly, personal service that's kept our members happy since 1952. A smile and personal greeting when you enter the branch, an online or phone chat for those quick questions, and a call center that's open every day. If you believe that great service is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. At Tropical Smoothie Cafe, one taste and you're hitting refresh now. Palm trees swaying now, letting loose now, busting a move now, cranking up the beats now, hands in the air now, feeling free now. You're on Tropic Time now. And right now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe, try our watermelon mojito and guava margarita smoothies. And you're tasting fruity now, sipping sunshine now, toasting summer now. You're on Tropic Time now at Tropical Smoothie Cafe. 
Slot right. Blue 42. Hot, hot. A great quarterback is a true leader with a work ethic that never wavers and a desire to win that is second to none. We know a truck like that. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling truck 43 years straight. With impressive towing and payload, Ford F-150 makes tough jobs look easy. Visit your local Ford dealer for great offers on F-150, official truck of the NFL. Based on 1977 to 2019 calendar year total sales. They just need a, you know, forfeit the game. Just get all them guys healthy and move on to week 10. But no, I'm just kidding. I hope everybody's, you know, hope everybody's healthy over there. Uh, you know, I don't wish nobody to get sick or miss any games because they're missing paychecks and, you know, they got families to take care of too. So hopefully they get back healthy and uh, I'm just ready to play. You know, we got to play with the cards that we'll dealt with, but they got to play with the cards that they'll dealt with and we'll just see how it goes Sunday. Josh Allen discussing the Houston Texans COVID-19 situation. And welcome back to Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Tony Baselli with us as well. The Texans have placed three linebackers on the COVID-19 reserve list. Jacob Martin tested positive for COVID-19, reportedly. But linebackers Whitney Merciless and Dylan Cole will also miss this week's game. They must test negative for five days in a row because of contact tracing. So three linebackers not available for the Texans this week against the Jaguars. And now, of course, concerns about the status of the game as well. Romeo Cornell said today that the league wants to play the game if possible and they'll wait until tomorrow before making a decision at the latest Saturday when the Texans travel. So uh, still some question marks, guys, about this game. But, um, you know, three linebackers not coming. That's a that's a big chunk on that defensive side, Logs. Yeah, and I, and I will say that, JP, I mean, the, the three linebackers you're talking about, the one that supposedly tested positive was Jacob Martin. And then you have the, uh, the high uh, uh, incidence of contact with Whitney Merciless and Dylan Cole. So that's three. But then you go to a fourth linebacker, which is Kyle Emanuel, who did not practice the last couple of days because of a concussion. So in reality, they could be short four linebackers, three of them due to COVID, one of them because of a concussion. So that would leave the Texans with Zach Cunningham, uh, Peter Columbayi, Tyrell Adams, Jonathan Greenan, and uh, Brennan Scarlett. But you got to remember now, I mean, some of these guys are like hybrid defensive end linebackers and are not true linebackers. So the Texans are going to have to dip into that practice squad, I would imagine, for this Jaguars game this weekend. Yeah, big change, Tony. And, you know, we'll see in the next day or so if there's any more positives that pop up down there. Hopefully not. Hopefully this game goes on a schedule this week. Well, yeah, I mean, you hope so. I mean, number one, you hope no one's getting sick and you hope everyone's all right there. Um, and, the, you know, the league wants to play this game. They want to play all the games here because you're running out of, you know, teams with bye weeks. We've already had our bye weeks. So now if you don't play this game, you're moving it till week 18. I mean, you're moving it out or you're doing something. I mean, you're, you're I mean, I don't know if you can just, because both teams are out of the playoffs, I mean, do you just cancel it? I mean, how do you do it? But you have draft order. I mean, you have so many different things going on that it becomes a real issue uh, looking at the overall standing. So 
Uh, I imagine they'll play it unless there's a big outbreak uh, at the Texans. If it continues, then they're going to be forced to shut down the game. Uh, but I would plan on uh, – my guess is they'll play. But the other interesting thing, guys, around the game, you know, is you have the COVID issue, which is, you know, first and foremost, making sure that everyone's healthy. But Florida Georgia is going to be played on the field on Saturday in a 70% chance of rain. You know, one of the concerns I've been thinking about and worrying about is what's that field look like, you know, if, if Florida and Georgia tear it up, um, in, you know, to no fault of their own, just because of the rain. If, if you get a heavy rain pour on Saturday, it could uh, make it uh, for interesting playing conditions on Sunday. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the weather forecast that I got, Tony, was about 50%. So hopefully it is more than what I'm looking at versus what you're, you're describing. I hope you're right. Uh, one of the things, yeah, one of the things about uh, the COVID situation that I had mentioned a while ago, and I'm kind of surprised that uh, the league didn't even take a look at this or there wasn't any conversation about this is because, Tony, you mentioned how, okay, now that both teams have had their buys, what are you going to do if something happens? And and JP, you had mentioned that as well earlier. I thought that every opportunity with teams um, going into a bye week, a perfect example is Jaguars-Texans. If the Jaguars and Texans have a bye week and they share it, and they're playing together coming out of that bye week, play it now, like last week. They should have played it last week. Then it would give, yeah. if teams are healthy, just because, okay, the, the more bye weeks that you can save, kind of getting towards the end of the season, the more flexibility that you have to maybe jumble things around and move things around. And I'm surprised that the league uh, didn't take advantage of that uh, once again here in this instance, because both the Texans and the Jaguars had a bye this past weekend. Yeah, and the other thing, I mean, you wonder, could they move the game like they have before, move it to a Monday night or a Tuesday night type of thing to give the Texans more time to go through the testing protocols and get guys back healthy um, if, the, if it, it works out with that five-day window. So, you know, we'll find out more tomorrow, um, and uh, we'll see where this thing goes. But, you know, with COVID cases ticking up everywhere and around the country, this is going to be something the NFL is going to have to deal with week in and week out, I'm afraid. Yeah. And let, let me just add one thing here, JP. The league is dealing with two one-win football teams here. And I think the uh, the flexibility, as long as the teams can field 53 or however many for game day by utilizing their practice squad ele elevations, uh, the league is going to say the game must be played, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to try to, to you know, maneuver anything else around or have any special considerations for this game. The uh, word is, and we're told that the Texans are practicing today, but they're in intensive protocol, just like the Jaguars were uh, the week of the Chargers game. So uh, virtual meetings, but at least so far today, practice has been normal for the Houston Texans. Let's uh, look around the AFC South games on the docket this week, and we'll see how good the Colts are, Tony. Five and two, they're hosting the Baltimore Ravens also at five and two this week. What do you think about that game? Well, I think it's, it's interesting. You have strength against strength. That uh, Colts defense is pretty dang good. And uh, they've done a good job all year. They're going to face the Baltimore Ravens who can run the ball. We know that. I mean, they, they gashed the Steelers. And if it wasn't for a bunch of turnovers by Lamar Jackson in the passing game, probably would have beat the Steelers. Um, so, you know, you got to load up. And it'll be interesting to see how the Colts defend them. I think that right now with the way that the passing game for the Ravens is going, I think 
Uh, Lamar, we have not seen a step forward like we did last year with Lamar Jackson. He's been a little bit shaky uh, from the pocket. So I think they're going to do everything they can to load up and force uh, Lamar Jackson to beat him from the pocket. Yeah, and his, the wide receiver in Baltimore, Brown's not very happy because uh, he's not getting the ball. Lamar Jackson hasn't taken that next step up. You know, interesting, too, uh, the Colts have been affected by the COVID situation as well. If, uh, if I remember reading correctly, uh, today they practiced, and because they had a positive test with a staff member, that they are practicing, and then after that they are doing the meetings and everything else remotely. Uh, because of a staff member being tested positive. So uh, it's amazing. And, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen some of the, the uptick in the COVID cases across the nation, but I, I think we're seeing some of that also kind of being reflected in the National Football League because I just don't remember as many issues popping up early in the season as what we're seeing now with this situation. The Bears and the Titans meet in Nashville this week. Bears at five and three, Titans at five and two. Who you like in this one, Tony? Well, I mean, I was shocked last week that uh, the Titans played so poorly against the Bengals. I mean, I thought that was a perfect game for them to go out there and, and run the ball, but their defense has been so poor. They made the trade for Desmond King uh, from the Chargers this week. They got rid of Vic Beasley, who's really done nothing for them except for take uh, cash some big paychecks. Um, and so, but this is, I think, where the Titans can get healthy defensively, defensively at least, because the Bears are atrocious on the offensive side of the ball. The problem is they're going to get a really good Bears defense, one of the better units in the NFL, led by Khalil Mack and McKee, um and uh, Hicks, uh, the interior defensive lineman. So um, I think it's going to be a really good football game. It'll be interesting. You get strength against strength, weakness against weakness. So it's a, it'll be a good matchup. Yeah, Nick Foles is just, he's not very good. and. Uh... You know, they made they made a switch from Trubisky to Nick Foles, and, and Nick Foles not great. And I, and I think the the interesting matchup of that, of course, it's always interesting to watch Derrick Henry against a great defense. But seeing how Nick Foles and the Bears' offense plays against that Titans' defense is also I, I think it's a great matchup. And I'll take the Titans. Yeah, I, okay. I think the Titans. So the Titans. You know, interesting thing, Jeff, about you mentioned Nick Foles not playing very good. You know, the Bears have better offensive numbers under Trubisky than they do under Foles, but uh, Trubisky went and had his shoulder looked at. Uh, I think uh, this week he has some damage, so my guess is he won't be coming back. But, yeah, it's a bad they're, – they're not very good. And uh, I think the Titans get healthy this week and figure it out. All right, guys, about a minute left here. Uh, final thought about the Jaguars-Texans game. What's your gut telling you, Tony? I actually have no feeling for this one, JP, because I don't know what you're going to get out of Jake Luton. I mean, now, because the Texans' defense is so decimated, I hopefully the offensive line has a big day, give it to James Robinson. But you have Deshaun Watson, and we have yet in the last six games stopped anybody from scoring 30-plus points. So I think they're going to have to keep it under 30 to win. Uh, JP, I'm taking the Jaguars just because the, the, the Tua – a factor just like the Miami Dolphins got a new quarterback everybody else rallied and played well and uh and you saw the Dolphins end up winning even though two are through for less than 100 yards I think so uh, I think you could see something similar to that uh with the Jaguars as a team all right I like it uh Jeff Lagerman picking the Jags this week uh Tony we will talk to you a little bit later in the week have a good one all right tell Doug I said hello 
We'll do it. Uh, Tony Vaselli out of here. Stand by. Uh, coming up, it's network coverage, the Doug Marone Show, right around the corner. Thank you for listening and for watching Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday on the Jaguars Digital Network.